for us to feel good enough to step out and do the things we want to do in our lives, to feel like we're safe to do it, to, to get the courage, to feel like we have what's within us. Well, we're going to learn today in 20 minutes. So, um, go ahead and go to the first slide, Kate. So, we are constantly thinking, and most of the time we're not thinking thoughts like, I'm brave, I feel good, I can do this. We think thoughts like, huh, life isn't necessarily how I thought it would be. When is it supposed to get good? Where's the part that makes me feel connected? Where's the, where's the joy? Where's the fulfillment? Am I doing my purpose? Why do I feel lonely? Why do I feel empty? So our thoughts are constantly streaming through our heads. And sometimes these thoughts don't lift us to a point of brave action. They paralyze us into fear, doubt, insecurity, feelings of inadequacy. Not that any of us have ever felt any of those things before. When, when I think about where I started on my journey to awareness, to self-love, to compassion, to forgiveness, I think about my mind and the poisons I used to feed myself, feeling like something about me was wrong. And I still have to watch my thoughts because immediately they can take me into this feeling of despair. And so when I think about those things, you know, honestly, most people wouldn't pay a dime or a penny at all to, to hear what I was thinking. They're like, oh, shut that off. Right? That's how it was for a long time. My thoughts weren't worth anything because I didn't feel worth anything. So, you know, we have this little phrase, a penny for your thoughts. But if somebody paid you for your thoughts, would you want them to hear? Right? Would you shift them? We think them all the time and we think that it's not affecting anyone. You know, we think something negative about someone else and we think it's not affecting them. But... It's affecting us, even if they never even sense the energy of our thoughts, which they probably do. But it affects us. It affects our happiness. It affects feeling good. A judgment is a judgment. And as soon as we step into judgment, we're stepping out of our God self. We're stepping out of truth. Go ahead and go to the next slide, please. And the truth is, is that our words create our reality. Our words are our reality. So what words are you constantly using? I found myself over the past few months using the word overwhelmed a lot. I feel so overwhelmed. This became like my keyword, my my phrase. And then I thought, stop saying that word. I can handle everything that comes to me. And I do. I've survived this long. Some of you are like, it's not that long. It gets much longer. Right? So I haven't I haven't self-destructed yet. I've handled everything that came my way. I've not only survived, but I've thrived. I've loved myself in moments. I have despaired at times, and I've learned from things. So when I think about my thoughts, my words that I'm saying, sometimes my thoughts come in, and I'm not as aware. But words are not a subconscious thing. Words happen through action of your vocal cords and sounds you're making, and you have to actually do something to make them. 
So words are not necessarily subconscious. Now, some of the words we use are habituated, so we have to retrain. Our thoughts can sometimes pop in and pop out. And I don't feel like I can always say to myself, oh, just stop thinking that. Sometimes I'll catch myself, but I don't always catch. Words I can hear, and I can always revise. For example, if I say something and I feel wrong, that it wasn't what I wanted, I can say, actually, that's not quite right. And I can rephrase them and find a more truthful spin for my words. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Oh, there we there. So, you only respond to two things. The pictures you form in your head and the words you say. And the words you tell yourself. So, let's take these pictures, for example. The top one's a butterfly, the bottom one is a moth. So, a lot of us would feel perfectly happy and maybe even like a spiritual gift was given to us if a butterfly landed on our arm. But if it was a moth, we'd be like, ugh. Same with like a ladybug versus a beetle. Some of us are like, I wouldn't like the ladybug either. Not a big bug person myself. But what's the difference between these two things? They both have wings. They both have beautiful godlike patterns on them. They both fly and flutter. It's our mental association, the picture we have made in our mind about what it means to be a butterfly and what it means to be a moth. And that's the only difference. Maybe a little bit of color. But that's it. Because the pictures in our mind are very powerful. And when we associate meanings with things, like the things we're thinking, or the things we're perceiving others to think or say or do, we get into this territory where we're really, really not sure what, what, you know, how we're interpreting it, if it's even true. You know, Course in Miracles says that anything you don't like is a perception. You just change it. You ask for a new perspective. So, this obviously is an important thing for us to get because our mind is always creating. And you get to consciously start to choose what you're creating in your life. And honestly, all you have to do, if you're a visual person, start shifting the pictures. If you're an auditory person, start shifting the words. And if you're a kinesthetic person, move around and scream and say it. <laughs> right? So whatever you need to do to really get it in your mind that you have control here. If your life is on any trajectory, any part of it, even if you've just got one thing that you think, you know, that's not exactly what I feel destined to be inside then it means you can change the words and change the pictures you're associating with that thing and make a shift. And it's easier than you think. Go ahead to the next slide. Okay, so here's our unity teaching. The words you use are the very cause of the maintaining of your state of consciousness. Today's words become tomorrow's reality. And we look at the third principle of unity. Human beings create their experiences by the activity of their thinking, everything in the manifest realm has its beginning in thought. Which, for some of us, we're like, oh, crud. Because our thoughts tend to be negative. Go to the next slide, please. 90% of the thoughts you think today 
are the same as the thoughts you thought yesterday. And in fact, the majority of these thoughts tend, without conscious direction, to go in the flow toward negativity. And there's a reason. It's actually a survival mechanism. So we are human beings. We've got this biological response, and our, sur- our response is for survival. So, survival as a human species. And the thing is, is the way we've survived all these years is by focusing on what's not right. That doesn't feel right. What's not right? And that's kept us safe and alive. So it's actually a biological tendency for us to focus on things that aren't ideal. And now, in this modern-day society, that biological tendency isn't as helpful because what it causes us to do is to spiral into negative thinking, to feel ourselves engrossed in our problems, and to cycle and loop and cycle and loop. Not that I've ever done that. Like, I've never obsessed about something. <laughs> Except for always. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And, and it's almost like, it's not the obsession that's the issue, because we're humans, we're going to, like, spiral and loop. It's what we've spiraled onto and looped into that is the solution to what feels like all of our problems. Okay, next slide, please. So, last week, Reverend Joanne said, love your neighbor as yourself. It's one of the two lessons taught by Jesus. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about my presentation coming up, and I thought, oh my goodness, it's If I loved my neighbor the way I love myself, my neighbor would hate me. (laughs) So I think that we've gotten away from this teaching because Jesus almost had an assumption that we love ourselves. How many people in here have ever struggled to love pieces of them? Yeah. Me. I'm in the mirror. I'm going, okay, these pores. I'll just put poor minimizer. Ooh, there's an eyebrow there. Ooh, there's an eyebrow there. You know, it's like, I don't think it's supposed to grow there. I have eyebrows everywhere. (laughs) So, when I really think about myself, as a woman, I'm going to take this into the woman realm for a moment, I'm taught that my value is 30% based on my physical appearance. As a man... You're taught your value is 30% based on honesty. And then the next 25% is based on your power and financial success. Interesting. So no wonder we're driven by power and money and appearance and Botox. I don't have any. This is a naturally smooth forehead. No, I'm just kidding. My eyes are I'm thinking about it. No, <laughs> So, but that's what we do. And we hear things from peers, from siblings, from people in our lives. You're not good enough. I can't do anything right. I don't look right. I don't feel right. I don't have enough money. I'm not successful enough. I'll never amount to what I wanted. My parents aren't proud of me. Some of you have had parents who have been deceased for a long time, and you're still worried about what your parents think of you. Interesting. Because that's the loop. We tied into the societal loop at one point. It's getting very serious. But it is. We tied into society's loop about what is valuable and what makes a human being worthwhile. And we believed it. And it's a lie. 
Because the fact that you are here means you have worth. The fact that you're alive gives you the divine right to love, creativity, beauty, joy, empowerment, reaching your dreams, living your dreams. And you can live your dream life, and you don't have to daydream to do it. Okay, next slide. And who told us all of this junk anyway? Because we did not come onto this planet thinking we were ugly. No baby is like, I better not make too much noise. I'm hideous. Every baby is like, ah! And if you left a baby in a room for an hour alone, it would wail and scream and cry until it got the attention he or she knows he or she deserves. But what do we do? We say, oh, well, my parents said this. It must mean I'm not good enough. My sisters told me that I was ugly. It must mean that I'll never be beautiful. My friends told me I just wasn't that smart. A bully said, called, called me a weird name, made me self-conscious. You know, a teacher, a coach. Who was it who gave you and infiltrated your brain with these false lies? Because in truth, who are you? You're perfect. Just like the baby knows they are. It's the layers that we've put on ourselves of the meaning about everything that's happened in our lives. And the thing is, is we created the meaning. Their actions, their thoughts, their words, those are circumstances. We can't control that. But we can control how we interpret it. So if someone that you're seeing isn't calling you back, you can go into the space of, oh my gosh, they must not like me anymore. I don't know what happened. I'm not good enough. Or you can go into the space of, wow, maybe they fell asleep. Maybe they're immersed in a project that's giving them joy. Isn't that wonderful? It's the meanings we tie about what it means about us. And honestly, what is that but an ego's drive to prove its worth? And you will never feel enough. You will never be able to accomplish enough to fill the void of inadequacy that that infiltrates you from within. Because that's all false, guys. It's false. You can't fix something that's not broken. So we're trying to get these band-aids, find the next guru or person who will somehow, the next book, the next workshop, the next whatever, to give us the guidance we're seeking, when all we actually want is self-love. The solution to all of our problems is self-love, because if we can love ourselves, then we can love our neighbor as ourselves, and then we can also love God with all of our spirit and might, or whatever the phrase is. Right? When we're constantly searching for validation because of our inadequacy, because of our fears of not enough, not beautiful enough, smart enough, pretty enough, talented enough, thin enough, tall enough, short enough, lovable enough, what even makes someone lovable? What body is the right body for you? I mean, really, what is it? We're seeking these external fixes for an internal problem. So just watch. Watch because you are in control of your own happiness. 
your own ability to feel amazingly. Next slide, please. Every word you say is a blueprint in your mind, body, and psyche, and it wants to make something a reality. The words you say will make the reality. So, your mind is actually trying to help you. You know all that stuff that really annoys you about yourself? Like, how come I just can't stop eating cookies when they're in front of me? It's because at some point, you told your mind, you told your mind, I really want cookies. It makes me feel good. When I don't feel good, eat cookies. My friend's going to tell me to eat cookies later. <laughs> right? Because, look, me just saying cookies. It's like I can, I can taste it. I'm salivating. Because my mental picture of a cookie is already changing my physiology. You see that? Powerful. If I say to you, take your right hand. Everyone, go ahead. This is the exercise portion. Lift it up. Okay, that's the exercise portion. Now, pretend there's a lemon in it, and it's cut in half. Close your eyes. And now take your hand to your mouth and bite into that lemon. What's happening to your mouth right now? What is it? Yeah, puckery. Sour. Saliva. Tingling on your taste buds. That is your physical body being changed by a thought. Your physical self. We're still close to New Year's resolutions time. So if you are unhappy with your physical body, use your thoughts to change it. Stop looking for a diet. No diet's going to fix it. Stop looking for the next exercise program that will be the magic fix. It doesn't exist. I was overweight, and I did every diet, and none of them worked. What worked was when I started fixing my brain, and now I eat whatever I want, including cookies, and I stay slim. I was 40 pounds overweight. I'm not lying. There are pictures. I had terrible acne. I'm not lying. It was, it was not changed because of the dermatologist I found. Nothing fixed it. It was self-hatred expressing itself. Right? So when you think that those subconscious behaviors that are keeping you stuck, those almost like you don't have willpower behaviors, not just around eating, but around anything you're trying to do, it's because a part of your brain thinks you don't want it. And that part is winning. There is a part of your brain that either feels happier, safer, more secure, or more alive by keeping you in that. And what you need to do is you need to start consciously saying to your brain, I choose something different because this is what I really want. I want to feel young and vibrant and alive. I want full mobility of my body back. I want to finally make that money so I don't have to worry and don't even put that worry in there. I want to make money because I deserve to. I deserve to be financially successful and abundant. And I deserve to feel prosperity surging through my body. It's a choice, everybody. It's a choice, and it's all a conscious choice. But most of us just let our unconscious direct our lives, and then we get annoyed about it. And maybe not most of us in here. Maybe. Who would like to be more consciously directing their lives, their circumstances? It's why we come. Otherwise, we would be sleeping and snowing. A lot of people didn't make it today. <laughs> right? Okay. Okay, next slide. So what are your goals? What are your dreams? And watch your goals. Because if you really want something, ask yourself, what part of me doesn't want it? If you've struggled with something over and over again and it's like your issue, your big thing, 
there's a part of you that doesn't want to be whole. I usually make weight finance jokes, but I don't hear that. But it's a serious topic, and I've really been seriously considering the impact of my thoughts, my words, and how they translate into my physiology, my reality. So with this power comes great responsibility. So now all of you have heard the truth, and you've got to be responsible for your own dreams. Because life was not meant to be lived in a way that was preparing to live. It's like, okay, when I finally get this figured out, I'll be alive. This is it. This is our lives, for better or worse. We can't divorce ourselves, right? And the thing is, is where is your mind going? So what are the things you tend to tell yourself about yourself? What are those nagging voices that might be old junk? What needs to be cleared out to make space? Okay, next. So your subconscious mind automatically obeys your heartfelt words. Now here's the thing. This is all about affirmations in a way. But I, I want to say that I don't think affirmations work. And I've mentioned this before. It's a little controversial perhaps. But the way they're taught, I think there's a piece missing. Because I remember for years and years looking at myself in the mirror being overweight and having acne and saying to myself, you're the most beautiful woman in the world, and hearing this voice go, oh my God, what a crock of shit. (laughs) Because I really felt hideous. I felt so ugly. And I just kept going. You're so beautiful. Everybody loves you. And the voice inside would go, everyone hates you. No one likes you. So that voice that's responding is your beliefs about yourself. So in some ways, it's helpful because you can hear that and go, okay, let's follow that. Why? Where did you come from? What are you here to help me with? Because remember, your thoughts are supposed to be helping you. A belief that's stuck in your system is there because part of you still believes it's helping you. If you think that you want to shift it, then you've got to change the belief underneath it. So if you want to shift something in your life, you have to change the belief underneath it that's keeping you where you are. So, next slide, please. I call this picture the shameful banana. Because this is how we view ourselves. We're these perfect beings, like this bruise-free, gorgeous, very sleek banana. And this is what we see in the mirror. We see this moldy old, like, thing. And... The mirror is not a true reflection. Not just physically, but who we see ourselves as is not even true because we've been lying to ourselves for many years. Anytime you say a word like, oh, I just can't do that, I'm not good at that, it's a lie. Babies aren't good at walking when they're born, and you don't see like one fall down and a mom just go like, hopeless, that one will never walk. Like, <laughs> You're like, come on. Okay, you fell again. Come on. I do that to my dog, too. He's like, come on. She's like, I can't do it. I'm like, you can do it. Right? When you don't want to get out of bed. You're like, it's just out of reach. Come on. 
we don't give up on things, but we give up on ourselves, and we, we create these stories about ourselves really quickly and easily. So just watch out, because what is being reflected in your life if you're seeing something bruised, something old and moldy <laughs> that needs to be shifted? All you have to do is go within, because within is truth. Within is the true power, the divine self, the self that's in alignment. And that always gives you peace and love. Next slide. Okay. There is one thing that the subconscious cannot argue with. And it's, I am enough. I'm enough. Enough for what? I'm enough of me. The other day I was saying something to someone and I said, I can't try to emulate other people because no matter how hard I try, no matter how hard, and I have tried, I will never be as good at being Kate Middleton as Kate Middleton. She just has way more Kate Middleton hair than I do. But I'm really good at being Erin Donovan. Super good at it. And Kate Middleton would never be good at my job. It's not your job to emulate others. It's not your job to take their dreams and their goals and make them yours. I'm enough. My dreams are enough. The fact that I spend my hours reading spiritual books and wanting to talk about junk is enough. Right? The fact that I don't drink alcohol and don't want to go to the bar and hang out with people my age is okay. But there's a part of you that will sometimes respond going, you know, something's wrong with you. You're off. You don't quite fit in. And then there's another part of you that says, hell yeah, then I must be doing the right thing. Because if I'm fitting in, I am not listening to myself. If I'm trying to fit the style, the body type, the success principles of society and what people tell me is right, then I'm off. Because let me tell you, a lot of our society is focused on the wrong things. I, I call these false idols. So does the Bible. False idols, power, money, sex, you know, the things that we're driven by that aren't actually fulfilling. Connection. Where did that principle go? Right? Community. Churches used to be packed on Sundays. The whole community came. It didn't matter if you had to walk in the snow. People were here. What happened to that? Right? We're still holding on to that because we see the value. It's important. So just aware there. Okay. Next slide. So these are your neural pathways. This is the last thing. These are the habituated patterns of your mind, the 90% of your thinking that's just patterns. And then all we have to do is form new pathways. And the easiest way, because we don't even need to erase the old ones. Which is why you can go to therapy for 20 years and never feel sick. Because you're trying to erase old stuff. You don't need to erase old ones. What if you created such strong new grooves that all of the flow of energy, just like water, if you got a big enough trough, it would encompass all the other little tributaries and it would join in to create a force that would push the water forward. In this case, our thoughts, our energy, our life force. You don't need to eliminate all of the junk. 
you need to create stronger, positive pathways. And that's what our spiritual practice is for this week. So go ahead. So this week, nope, that's not it. That's the old one. Hold on. Okay. Spend the week being very careful with the words you say to yourself. Take five minutes each day. Do it in the car. I do it in the car right now. To say the words, I choose. Because that's another way to subconsciously get out of the way of your little things that will come back and say, "Uh uh-uh. I choose to see my beauty. Can my subconscious argue with that? No, but it can argue if I sit there and go, I'm beautiful, I'm beautiful, and I don't think it. I choose to see my beauty. I choose to feel good. I choose to empower myself through my actions and my words. I choose to be strong. I choose to feel strong. I like feel. I like that word in there. Okay, and do it every single day. Do it for the rest of your life. Make those pathways strong. Okay, so let's do our meditation. We're going to finish out with meditation today.